Okay, here we go. Daf. Pei Ches. Page 88. Huh? Mm. In Mesechus Yavamas. Daf 88, Mesechus Yavamas. We are up to Ela Svarahi. Okay? What do you mean, Ela Svarahi? So this is how many lines down? One, two, three, four, five lines. Five lines from the top of the Umbra. Now let's remind ourselves the sugya. So we're going through the we're going through the, the halachos of of Aden, of Edus, testimony. And our Mishnah was discussing a woman who remarried based upon the testimony of one person. And our Gemara here is trying to prove that at Eid Echad, one person is permitted um, uh, when it comes to things that are forbidden. We can rely on one person to tell us that it's actually allowed. Um, and the Gemara responded to that, that you have no proof from the Brisa to rely on an Eid Echad because when that Eid Echad testified, the person who he testified against was quiet. So maybe it was the shtika, it was the silence that was creating the validation of the Eid Echad, but it's not the Eid Echad itself that's creating the validation. That's what we're still sifting through, and we're still now trying to prove that we have a makar, we have a source that a woman's allowed to remarry if an Eid Echad comes along. So here we go. Says the Gemara, Ela Svarahi. You see where we are? Fifth line from the top of the Amad. Ela Svarahi. Rather, it's a Svara. It's a Svara. What's the logic? What's the logic over here telling me to rely on an Eid Echad if uh, 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 that a woman's allowed to remarry because her husband died? Because if you have a case where you have a piece of meat, where it's a suffix chelev, suffix shuman. Now chelev is forbidden fats. Shuman is permitted fats. The yasa eid echad. And one, one witness comes along, the Amar, and says, Barili de shuman hu. Okay? Barili, I know for sure that it was Shuman, I know for sure it was permitted fats, Demi Heman, that in such a case, he's going to be believed the same way we believe in Eid Echad when it comes to allowing food to, uh, to be kosher. So too, we should allow a woman to remarry. That's the Svara. So here we go. The Gemara was looking for a source. What's the source that a woman can remarry with an Eid Echad? The answer is, well, if you're going to allow an Eid Echad to tell me that food is kosher, when I didn't know if it was kosher, so... We'll say logic dictates will allow a woman to remarry. Now, says the Gemara, hold on. Hold on. Really? Let me ask you a question. If you have fats in front of you, you don't know if it's kosher or non-kosher. A witness, somebody says, yeah, I, I know it's kosher. I saw the heksher, it's kosher. Makes sense. Is that the same as a woman who's married for sure? And a witness comes along and says, you know, your husband died. She could remarry. Is that similar? You know what the Gemara is about to ask? When, when we're dealing with the food, we don't know. There's no chazaka. There's no status whether you could eat this, the food. So one witness comes along and gives us a status. Beseder. But when we know she's for sure married, why are we saying that the testimony of one person can break the status of marriage? Here we go. Nidami is a comparable the case of a married woman to a case of Suffolk food. When it's, when it's the food, we don't know what its status is. There's no established prohibition. I, don't, I just don't know if there was a heksher. 
Hachabr over here is Chazik Yisura. They should say she's an established married woman. And therefore, we know that in if you want, when it comes to forbidden relationships, you're going to need two witnesses. Hence, we should not rely upon the Seidachot. Says the Gemara, oh, you're right. You know what the case is? You know what we're going to say? It's similar to a case where a, somebody has a piece of, of uh, somebody has fats in front of him. That's a vaday chalif. It's known that it wasn't kosher. It was, it was a chazaka. It was known that it wasn't kosher. Okay. Now, why was it not kosher? Whatever. We saw it came from a non-kosher store. We saw it came from the part of the animal. That's chalif. That's forbidden fats. Whatever the case is, it had a status. Okay. And now one aide comes along, the Omar, and says, Bari Lee, I know for sure, I know for sure that it was Shuman, that it was permitted. There, we do not believe the person, and therefore the woman should not be allowed to remarry either. You hear? If you see forbidden fats come from an animal, and one witness says, eh, don't worry. Don't worry, I, it's allowed. Do we rely on that single witness? No, because there's a status that it's a problem. She so says the Gemara, it should be the same halacha with a woman. A woman we know is forbidden to the rest of the world because she's married. Comes along one aide, one witness, and says, oh, she's permitted because her husband died. You know, we say to the witness, eh, no, thank you. We don't listen to you. Says the Gemara, that's not a good, that's not a good uh, connection either. Me, dummy, is the case of Vadai Chalev, certain forbidden fats, similar to the case of a certain Ishashish, Hasam, by the forbidden fats, if you see something that's not kosher, and a hundred people come along and tell you, no, 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 we, we, we testify it's kosher. You're like, dude, or dudes, all hundred of you, I saw this come from the animal, the part of the animal that's forbidden chalem. What are you talking about? We're not going to believe a hundred people opposite the, opposite the, um, opposite the, the, the knowledge of the person knowing it's forbidden, it's forbidden. But hacha over here, since if two Adam were to come and say the husband died, we would trust them to say the marriage is over. We should allow the Eidacha to be believed as well, beautiful. And maybe Taka, we do have a Raya from here, we would have a proof from here. Fine. Says the Gemara, okay. Midi dehave atevel hektish vekainamis. This should be similar to a case of tevel, where we know there was grain that meiser was not set aside. Hektish, something that is bemade hektish vekainamis, or something that's been forbidden through kainamis through some sort of vow or oath. Now let's explain these three cases and see how it applies. Hechi hi tevel hechi dami. What's the case of tevel? If we're talking about the, the, his tevel himself, meaning somebody goes and says, my food is tevel. I never separated my sir. We believe him. Yeah, we'll listen to him. Why? Because it's in his power to take it, to separate it, to take the my sir. Okay? Now, by the grain, I'm saying what my grain is. Why do we trust you? Because it's in your power to create that reality. 
As opposed to, ready for this? The woman and the one witness that comes, does that one witness have the ability whenever he wants to say that she can remarry? He can't say that. In other words, when one person testifies about his own grain, Beseder, if it's within your power, we'll trust you to fix things up, to change the reality, halachic reality. However, when it comes to the marriage and this one witness, not in his power to make her uh, able to be married. So we should have listened to him. Allah, rather, you know what the case is? Da'acher. We're talking about another person says that, uh, that Miser was taken, not the owner. Another, I know Miser was taken. So my kosovar. What is the connection thinking? Ikasavar, if you're going to say, that you could separate truma from your own produce on behalf of your friend as well, meaning I own a field, my friend, my friend owns a field, we each harvest, and I say, when I separate my truma, this truma that I'm separating is on behalf of myself and behalf of my friend. If that works, so, so then what we see from here is, you don't need the knowledge of the owner, and that's, much different than the case of marriage. We shouldn't be other lesaknai because it's within his ability to fix it up. Because again, you can take Maisar on behalf of your friend. And if you're going to say that somebody cannot take Truma on behalf of his neighbor, and you need the Das Bailem, and the eight says, I know that it was, that, that it was Maisar, he goofed him in So it, that case itself, the eight achat itself, how do you know the witnesses believed? Okay. So that's going to be the case of Tevel. Now, what's the case of Hektish? Hektish Nami, Ikedushas Domim. If we're dealing with the case that had Kedushas Domim, mean it intrinsically was not holy, but its value became holy. We shouldn't be other Levdaisa. You could redeem, it's in my powers to redeem the value, to redeem that animal by giving over the value to Hektish. So, for example, if let's say somebody says, my baseball bat belongs to Hektish, that baseball bat that costs $30 is. Um, has what's known as value, hectish value. So if I could go ahead now and take $30, give the $30 to hectish and take the baseball bat, I could redeem it off because the baseball bat intrinsically is not holy. It's just its value that hectish owned. And Ikedusha Saguf, if we're dealing with an item that Mamish has Kedusha Saguf, a physical sanctity. So for example, a sacrifice, an animal, that even if you were to redeem it, it's going to retain holiness. It has intrinsic holiness in it, and you cannot redeem uh, completely. Re- you cannot redeem it in where where you're completely removing the kedusha. We shouldn't be yadai the ishtuli So we say over there as well. It, it's in his power to be ishtuli. Ishtuli means to say that you know when I originally made it uh, ma- made it hektish, I changed my mind because I didn't really have the full intent, and therefore. Uh, I want to go back. So you still have some sort of ownership, some sort of impact that you can have over that item. That item, Ella, rather, you know where the connection between one witness to allow a woman to remarry and the case of Hektish is Ella Da'acher. We're dealing with somebody else's. Uh, somebody else made a Hektish. The Omar and the aide says, Yodana Bey, I know about it. The Itchel Mariale. I know that after the owner made it hectish, he wanted to remove the holiness. So we're going to rely on that Eid Echad. He gufa How do you know we believe the Eid Echad? How do you know that? 
he doesn't have the koach, he doesn't have the power himself to remove the Kedusha. So since he doesn't have the power himself, why are we relying on the Eidachad? That's the case of Kedusha. And finally, Kainamais, by the case of, of um, the, the vows and the oaths, okay, where do we see uh, a, a situation of an Eidachad? If we're going to hold that there is Me'ila with Kainamais, and Kedushas Damim comes down onto the item. Now we know Me'ila is to, per, is to personally benefit from an item. The halacha is if you transgress Me'ila, it loses its sanctity, and you have to pay back the value of it plus 20%, plus an additional fifth. Okay, besides for your, uh, besides for your carbon. Okay, now kainamais, something that is forbidden to me, okay, because I said, you know, I'm never getting any sort of value from this. So am I allowed to go now and make it hectic? And if I make it hectic, if I do, because I said I'm, I'm separated from it. And if I do make it hectic, what, what sort of status does it have? Is it going to be me'ila if somebody were to use it? Over there, an Eidecha is going to believe because he has the ability to redeem it from Hektish because, again, we're dealing with monetary Hektish. We're not dealing with intrinsic Hektish. And if there's no Me'ila when you have previously vowed to separate yourself from it, and this is just a general transgression because you're, you're transgressing your vow if you're using it, well, Edi Day, if it's the Eidachad's own item, he, again, when it's your own item, you turned it to Hektish, you can always go and ask, uh, you can always go and ask to, to uh, remove the holiness, remo- I'm sorry, to remove the vow. You could be a true layer vow. You could say, listen, I didn't really mean it, I didn't understand the repercussions of it. So the case has to be dealing with somebody else is testifying. The Eidachad says, I know about somebody else's item that was a kainam. And I know about the owner. So he So in that case as well, how do we know that an Eid Echad is believed? Again, because he, in all three cases, we're coming out with a situation where he does not have the power to influence the item. And since he doesn't have the power, why are we relying on the Eid Echad? Okay. Be, be it as it may. Be it as it may. What you see from here that when you have an Eid Echad, when one witness is coming and testifying something, we know that if there is a suffix, some sort of doubt, some sort of opening, then we'll listen to the Eid Echad. However, if there's no doubt, then what? If we know for sure there's a prohibition here, do we see in any of these cases that we're going to trust the Eid Echad? No, we don't see that anywhere. So we're still looking for our source. When you have a established Isser, for example, a married woman, she's for sure forbidden to other men. How do we know we're going to rely on an Eid Echad? We still need a source. Amr Zerah Zerah says, Mitai Chaymer Sheikh Marta because since in the beginning we're so strict on her. You hear this? Remember, why were we so strict if the husband shows up? If she were to remarry with a single witness, why were we so strict if, this, if the husband shows up? 
Because we say to the woman, you should have done more research. That's why we could be lenient. In other words, our, our initial leniency is possible because of the detrimental outcome that we're putting into place if things do get messed up. Says the Gemara, well, if that's why you're believing the single witness, if that's why you're listening to the Eidechad, if that's why you're listening to the Eidechad, so don't be strict in the beginning, don't be lenient in the beginning by allowing her to remarry, and I don't need to be strict at the end when the husband shows up. Answer the Gemara, and here's the bottom line to everything. Here's the sugi right here, Chavra. Mishumiguna ikilu be'rabanon, you're right. Usually a single witness does not remove an obvious transgression. However, because we need to protect agunas, we allow a single witness to testify. That's it. In other words, an Eid usually cannot break a chazaka of a forbiddenness. So this whole sugya, this whole thing going back and forth, really at the laws of testimony and all that should not work. But because of Iguna, the Rabbanon came along and they said, in this unique, special circumstance, we don't want to leave a woman stuck. We're going to allow her to remarry on the basis of a single witness testimony. Period. End of that Gemara. Okay. Here we go. Two dots. The Mishnah said, the husband shows up Remember, she remarries and the husband shows up. What did we say? She cannot remain married to her first husband. She cannot remain married to the second husband. Amar Rav, Rav says, The only time that, that uh, this is incredible, the only time she can't be married to either one is when she remarried because of one aid. Yehidus is wild. If two witnesses came and said to her, your husband's dead, and she remarries, and then her husband shows up, she does not need to leave her second husband. It is? Wow. Okay. That's what we think right now, huh? No. Two witnesses. That's right. If there was one witness that came, she has to leave. If two witnesses said her husband's dead, even if her husband walks through the door, she's, she doesn't need to leave. Now, doesn't need to leave, it doesn't say from which husband. We're assuming right now it means the husband she's currently with. So here we go. Machule Marava. In Eretz Yisrael, they laughed at this halacha. Also, Gavri Vekoi. You have a guy standing here. The first husband's like, honey, I'm home. You're going to tell me she could stay with the second husband? Because there were witnesses saying he's dead? They're obviously wrong. How are you going to... The guy's here. Says the Gemara. You know what the case is? Incredible. You're right. It can't be that if her known husband comes back, we're going to let her stay with the second husband. Rather, you know what the case is? A guy walks in. And he says, I'm her first husband. And nobody can recognize him. 
So we're going to rely on the testimony of the second witness, of, of, the, of the two witnesses to say he could stay. She could stay with her second husband. Now, I know about you, but I, I can understand this case. Right? I personally, the, the little bit of time I've been in this world, there's times I've met people after 20 years, 30 years, you don't, don't recognize them. They, they just don't look alike. They, they don't look the way they used to. They're not, you know. This could be 40 years later. Understand? You can have a situation where a guy goes overseas, two witnesses say he died, she remarried based upon the testimony. 40 years later, the guy, some guy walks through the door. When he left, he was 20, now he's 60, and nobody knows that it's really him. Nobody knows that. So then we say she could stay with her second husband. Says the Gemara, but if you don't recognize him, so then I understand. Even if, even if she remarried based upon the testimony of one guy, why does she have to leave? You should allow him to stay. Says the Gemara, we were with this guy until the moment he came back and we know for sure who he is. We were hanging out with him for 40 years. We were going fishing. And it's only you who don't recognize him. But Lamaisa, he's coming back with two witnesses as well. You hear this? So it's a fascinating case. Witnesses testified that he died and now witnesses are testifying who he is. Like he's got his ID. It says in the Torah, remember this? Yosef Atzadik. Incredible. Everything's in the Torah. Yosef recognized his brothers, but the, uh, Joseph's brothers didn't recognize him. Okay. So it's not possible. You could have a situation where it's the same person showing up years later and they don't recognize him. So the bottom line is, we're going to allow her to remain with the second husband if, as long as, we don't rec- as long as we don't recognize the first husband. Okay. Now, if we do rec- remember, if we do recognize the first husband, then we have a problem. She cannot stay with the second husband, even if there were two witnesses, because we see him standing right here. Her, her husband's back. He's standing here. You, there's no way you could tell me that, that uh, she could stay with the second husband. Yeah, go ahead. Who are the people who are saying that this is the first, this is the second? I mean... So, so you're going to have a situation where one witness says that the husband died. She remarries. 40 years later, a guy walks in. He says, honey, I'm home. We're like, we don't recognize you. Two witnesses. Who are those two witnesses? Is that somebody? Somebody else. 40 years ago? That's right. No. No, somebody who's known him from the time he left his wife until now. They saw how his body had now, that the body now looks like that. It's Taka the same guy. And this is Taka him. This is actually him. And that's when we're going to say that, that um, she's going to have to leave. But without that, she could go, then she's, uh, she's going to be allowed to stay with the second husband. Okay. Says the Gemara, I don't understand. Listen to this. Saif Saif The bottom line is you're going to have what's called Treyu Trey, two witnesses against two witnesses. 
Two witnesses say her husband died. 40 years later, a guy walks in. He says, honey, I'm home. Like, we don't know you. He brings two witnesses to prove that it's him. So now it's Treyu Trey. It's Treyu Trey, you understand? So you got two witnesses saying it is her husband and two witnesses saying that her husband dies. Top of Muhammad Bey's. And in such a case, we're left in doubt. When it's Treyu Trey, we're left in doubt. And she has to bring us Ashim Tali, a sacrifice in that way. But the bottom line is, she should, she should have to leave the husband because we have a suffix. Wow. Ready for this? Here's what happened. Two witnesses come and say, your husband died. She says, this is terrible. One of them is so empathetic. She says, you know, I really like you. Let me marry you. Now that my husband's died, I'll marry you. Doesn't look good, but that's what they did. Okay, fine. She marries one of the witnesses. Okay. So the husband now, is not going to be able, not, he's not going to have to bring in Hashem Taloi because he knows for sure. He knows for sure he didn't do an Aver. Because he said, I saw the guy dead. There's no suffix over here. For the woman, it's a suffix. For him, there's no suffix. And therefore, as far as he's concerned, he saw the original husband dead. He's welcome to, to continue living with her. Because as much as we're not sure about her, we are sure about him. So therefore, he could do what he wants in marrying her. Says the Gemara, one second. Very nice that he's off the hook. Um, um, but he goofa Basham Tali Kaima. But she has an Asham Tali. So even though, the, even though the aid could stay in the marriage, she's not allowed to stay in the marriage. Says the Gemara, Baimara's Barili. She says, I know this guy is not my husband. I know for a fact. There's no way. There's no way. Rashi says, how does she know there's no way? She says, I, I know my husband had four birthmarks on his left, on his left leg. This guy doesn't have those birthmarks. She, she, brings us, she brings signs that this guy is not her husband. Be it as it may, she also says, I know for sure. So Gemara says, fine. So you're dealing with a couple where the second husband is, a test, is an aide. He testified. He knows the husband's dead. The wife's saying it's for sure not my husband. So Yochi mind lememra. So then, what's the Chiddush of Rav? What's the Chiddush over here? We know they could stay married. Even Reb Menachem, the son of Reb Yaisi, who, who holds that when there's treu trey, when you have testimony against each other, you can't stay in the marriage. He's only talking about a case where witnesses came, and she married afterwards. But if she first remarries, and then the Edom come, we don't say you got to leave. Because since at the time that she married, it was completely allowed the time to go Two witnesses say so that, that there's a husband that dies, so his wife can now remarry. And then two other witnesses come along and they say, not true, he didn't die. Now this guy's overseas, we don't know. We don't know if he just ran away, if he's dead, we don't know. Two people testify there was a divorce. The other two testify there was no divorce. The halacha is, she cannot go and remarry. However, let's say she remarried based upon the original two witnesses, and the other two witnesses who say she cannot remarry only came along after the, remar- after the second marriage. We don't make her leave the husband. However, of Menachem, Rabbi Yaisi, Omar, Rabbi Menachem, the son of Rabbi Yaisi, says, even in that case, 
Even when she remarried before the second group of witnesses came, she, they're obligated to get divorced from the second marriage. Why? When do I say that's true? That's when the Edom came first, then she remarried. I'm sorry. Um, when do we say that she could stay with her new husband? That's only where the witnesses came after the second marriage. If she remarried before the second group of witnesses came along, she doesn't have to leave the, the new husband. So it seems Tanakama and Rabbi Menachem and Rabbi Yezi both agree to that halacha. That whenever a woman remarried upon the testimony of two witnesses, whatever happens afterwards is not going to change things. She's allowed to stay. So we now have a question. If that's true and there's no conversation about it, what's the Chiddush of Rav? Rav's an early Amira. Why is he coming to teach me this? I already know this halacha. Answer the Gemara, two answers. Rav actually says, no. Rav says, even when um, the second group of Adam came and she marries afterwards, you could stay. And he doesn't hold like this opinion. See, in other words, Rav certainly is not following the opinion of, of, of this Tana. Okay? Obviously not. So, according to Rav, Rav's just telling us, let me show you the difference between the Tanakama and Rabbi Nachum Rabbi How are they completely different? Because when you remarried based off of an Eid Echad, then we say a woman needs to leave her second husband even if she remarried first. However, to not, to, to, to uh, argue on this, we'll call it, to, ch- to put a change on this, Rav says, let's say they, re- as opposed to, if she remarried based upon two Adim, then she could stay together with her second husband, even if they remarried after the second set came along, which Taka would be the opinion of the Tanakama, not the opinion of Menachem Rebbe. Yes, if you Amri, time of the Nises, Vachilach, Bo Adim, of a Bo Adim, Kach, Nises, Teitze, Keman, Kerab Menachem Rebbe, that would be following the opinion of Rebbe Menachem Okay, be it as it may, what all the Gemara is walking away with is explaining that Rav actually is coming to just contrast the opinion of the Tanakama and Rav Nachum Fine. Period. Period finished. All right. Masiv Rava, Rava asked a challenging question. How do you know that if a Kohen does not want to... Um, uh, he wants to remain in a forbidden situation, either with a wife or with eating something in the state of Tuma. He wants to do something that's not allowed. Daphnai. You know what Daphnai means? You can physically oppress him. You can physically oppress him, meaning you can push him around. You, want to, you, you, you do what it takes to make sure that he's doing the right thing. A Kayan, not only is he intrinsically holy, there's an obligation on Klal Yisrael to make sure that a Kohen stays holy. Now don't break any laws with this, and don't act in a way that's against the Torah. However, there's times where a little bit of appropriate pressure to help the Kohen make the right decision is allowed. Says Gemara, what's the case? Hey, Chidami, what's the situation of this coin? 
If you're going to say the case is where she did not marry one of the two witnesses, and then her first husband comes back, or she didn't say, I know for sure that my first husband dies. Do you have to tell me to force him to separate from the second from his wife? Of course, that, that's, uh, that's logic because no, they don't know for sure that their marriage is allowed. So of course we're going to say, listen, you want to remain in a situation of adultery? You want to have an extramarital affair? You can't stay together. Al-Alav, rather, if they're going to tell me a chiddush over it has to be Denisius Lecher Me'edel. She married one of her witnesses, so he knows for sure. Vika'amra Barili, and she also says, I know my husband died. So he knows, the, the second husband knows, the first husband passed away. She knows her husband died. Vika'tani Dafnai. And we're still saying that the kain is going to have to separate from his wife. Alma mafkina leimidi. You see that Rav's incorrect. And even in such a case, we do force them to separate. Says the Gemara, you're right, but that's only true by a kain. Isr kahuna shiny. We're strict on a kain. If you want, you could say, my dafnai. What does it mean to, to uh, physically oppress him? It means dafnai be'edim. Okay? What it doesn't mean that you, that you smack him up. You know what it means? You keep putting pressure on him and you, you keep searching for more Adim to show that they're not allowed to remain married. That's another way to translate Dafnai, Viba Yisema, or another possibility to say is Kishabo Adim Machakachnises, where Adim came and then they married afterwards, so then they weren't allowed to marry in the first place. And that's on the opinion of Rev Menachem who says that. that you're only allowed to remarry if you're remarried before the second group of Adam came. This Brisa, which says that you're not allowed to stay married, that's where they married after the, the second Adam came, and that's why we're going to force them to leave. Okay. Period. End of that explanation of Rav's opinion. Ravashi Yom Rav says, My Rav. When Rav says, Now we're going to shift. We thought, ready? Here was the case. Listen closely. Two witnesses say the husband died. Then two witnesses say, no, the husband's alive. So Rav said that Laitetse, you don't go out. What does it mean, Laitetse? We thought it meant from the second husband. Here it says, no, Laitetse may a terrorishan. You don't, she doesn't leave her original marriage. Says Gemara, already told us one time he wouldn't have to repeat himself. The time we learned in the Mishnah, if she remarries without permission of a bezdin, meaning she was allowed to remarry, but it didn't need a psak bezdin. Two witnesses said her husband died. Okay, fine. Two witnesses, her husband died. So, muteras She's allowed to go back to her first husband if he shows up. Because the whole thing was a mistake. This is Takeda So why is Rav repeating himself? Says the He's not repeating himself, he's just letting us know one halacha is being implied from the other. Okay? Gavaldi. Now, um, let's understand the Svari here. This is good. This is a good conversation. This is good. Let's understand the Svari here, the logic. Why are we trusting this one witness? And allowing her to remarry. What do we say? What's the bottom line? Because of Iguna. Usually we would not rely on one witness to break an established Isser. But Mishum Iguna, Hikilu Le Rabbana. So whenever we're relying on a leniency 
there's an expectation on her to have done her own research. So if her husband shows up, she cannot go back to him. It's like we're, we're, we're fining her for not doing proper research. But if two witnesses come and they say, your husband's dead and she remarries, we don't expect anything of her. She's just following the way testimony works. There's no leniency she's relying upon. There's nothing out of the box that's happening here. She's just doing what the Torah says to do. So if her husband shows up now, we're now going to go ahead and say you can't go back to him when she did whatever needed to be done without relying on leniencies? You don't do that. She's welcome to go back to her first husband. That's, that's, the, that's Rav's opinion. I mean, that's really what our mission is telling us. Okay? Here we go. Omar Shmuel. Shmuel says, The case of the mission is dealing with when the husband um, comes back and she doesn't argue that it's her husband. But actually, if she does argue and she says, no, 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 that's not my husband. That's my husband's twin. It's somebody else. She does not need to leave her second husband. But I ask you, what's the case? Either but betray if two witnesses uh, come and they say, listen, it is your husband. So even though she's saying it's not, who cares? We don't listen to her. Ella, the case must be bechad. She remarried based upon the testimony of one witness. Time, the reason why she's allowed to stay with her new husband is the machashle because you're arguing on him. But if she would have been quiet and she wouldn't have disputed his claim, she would have had to leave the second husband. But I don't understand why that shruva marula. But says whenever the Torah permits me to rely upon the testimony of a single witness, we view it like there's two witnesses. Meaning, if you're going to rely on testimony, you rely on testimony. That's it. And therefore, if an eight echad. Holds weight, it's going to hold complete weight. But here's the deal. When the witness comes and says it's actually her husband, the ain of shall echad He can't now argue on two. Now let's explain what just happened. This is beautiful. You can have a situation where one witness came and said, this woman's husband died. We establish that in the court as the law. And we say you can now remarry. Your husband died overseas. You're no longer married. Okay. As soon as that ruling is put down in place, it takes on the status as if two witnesses came. Because a psak halacha gives it the stronghold, the force, the force of two witnesses. And now when somebody comes... And says, oh, by the way, you know, this is your husband. You know, your husband is my husband. She says, ah, it's not. And one witness says, no, it is your husband. Guess what? Since that one witness is saying who it is her husband, it hasn't been established yet. So he's considered one witness in the, trying to go against two witnesses. Because he's trying to go against the psak halacha. And the, the testimony of one person doesn't hold weight in the presence of a testimony against two. And... You hit us. Yeah, very good. So says the Gemara. So what's the case over here? We're dealing with a case where two witnesses are saying that this is your original husband, except that these two witnesses would not usually be accepted as witnesses. You hit us. So the two witnesses who show up are a father and son. 
Uchid Rav Nechemia, the Tanya Uchid Rav Nechemia, Rav Nechemia, Oimer, Kol Magosh Mina Tere Edechod, Halachacha Rav Deis. Whenever we believe in Edechod, we follow Rav Deis, the majority of the minds. Vosher Shnei Noshim Kish Echod, Kishnei Anoshim Kish Echod. And therefore, two women um, who are against one man is going to be like the case of two men against one man. Okay, meaning uh, an Eid Echad is not believed in the place of two, even if they would not be usually accepted as witnesses. Or you could say, Whenever an Eid Echad comes, and who, who was originally kosher, that even a, hus- a husband woman, uh, a-, a hundred women who come to argue on him are going to be considered an Eid Echad. So what's that case? When would we say that's true? You have a woman who came and said, listen, I know that her husband died. Okay. And the Bezdin establishes the testimony of that one woman. She can now remarry. Afterwards, two Eidim come along and say, no, he never died. This is where Nehemia says, you follow most of the minds. And therefore, two witnesses are like one, are, are like one arguing against one woman. Is the same as two men arguing against, against one man. However, if let's say you have two women who give testimony and that testimony argues against the testimony of one man, then it's going to be considered half and half. What does that mean, half and half? It's going to be considered like two witnesses just arguing with each other. And what happens in such a case? You take the first one that was established by Bezdin. And since Bezdin already listened to the first group of witnesses, that's what we are going to stick by. Okay, next part of the Mishnah. The husband shows up. What do you do? The Mishnah said she needs a divorce from the first husband and the second husband. Says the Gemara, let's explain. Let me slow down. Hold on. Let's pause. Ready? A witness came and allowed her to remarry. She remarries. Her husband showed up. She's obligated to get divorced from both husbands. Now, let me ask you a question. Her first husband, is she married to? Yeah, he never died apparently. So if we're not going to let her go back to him, he should give her a get. The second husband, is he married to her? Well, we'll say... If she's married to the first husband, her second marriage was never valid. Right? So why in the world does she need to get from husband number two? That's what needs to be clarified right now. The Mishnah says they both give her a get. We want to know why. Now we gave a little heads up of our Gemara and the Mishnah. Gave a little heads up. And we explained it's going to have to do with people not realizing she wasn't really married. And they're going to think you can leave without a get. But right now understand the problem. We're establishing a divorce document needed from a husband, husband number two, who she, who's not really her husband. Why are you doing that? So here we go. Says the Gemara. I can understand from her first husband she needs a divorce. She's married to him. Why is she getting a divorce document from the second husband? 
You know what the second husband is? An extramarital affair. That's all it is. She was never married to him. You don't need divorce proceedings. Ravuna says, Gzeira, you're right. It's a decree. Shemiyemru, Gerish, Zev, and also Zev. Right? It's a decree. People are going to say, maybe the first husband uh, first divorced her, and then the second one married her. And therefore, to get people to, to stop talking and not making an, any sort of mistake, and to know that actually you always need a get, we're going to say, the rabbis make a decree to even get a get from the second husband, from the second man, even though he's not really your husband. Says the Gemara, if we're taka concerned about people thinking that the second marriage you know, uh, took hold, Seifa, in the end of the Mishnah, we learned Amrula, Mace. If the, if the, Amrula, if they said, if they said to her, Mace, Pailech, your husband died, Viniskatcha, so she remarries based upon that testimony, the Acharkach, Babayla, then her husband comes walking in, Muteras Lachserlai, she's allowed to go back to him, Hasam Nami, Hasam Nami Nema, there too we should say, Gerish Zev, Kiddish Zev, why are we allowing? We should say, maybe the first guy divorced her, the second one married her, Venimsa, Ezra says, Yaitzha Belaget. So according to that svara, we should always require her to get a, to, to receive a divorce from a person who went and married her. Yeah? Why, why aren't we obligating it? So the Gemara says, no, you're right. She does need a, do, a get from the second husband. So the Gemara says, but you didn't say that. So you know what's happening? You're going to have a case where the first husband comes. She's going to be allowed to go back to the first husband. The second husband's going to give her a get. And she's still living with husband number one. People are going to think, people are going to think that a person could be machzir gerushasai. Because think about it. She was married to guy number one, guy number two, who was never really married to her. But because of a decree, he's giving her a get. And now she's still going back to live with husband number one. People are going to say machzir gerushasai is allowed. You're not allowed to take back a woman who you divorced and then remarried another man in halacha. If you divorce a woman, you can remarry her. But if she goes and marries somebody else, that ends it. You can never remarry that woman again, says the Torah, as we learned earlier. Answers the Gemara. It depends. If her second marriage, she had full-fledged Nisuin, then she actually cannot go back to her first husband. But if she just had Arison with the second marriage, that's when we say and go back to the to the first husband. People won't make that mistake. Says the Gemara Hamigtani Seifa Afalpi. But in this end of the end of the Mishnah, it says Afalpi top of of tomorrow's daf Shenason La Acher and Get. Even though the second one gave her a get like Pasma Kahuna, he's not disqualifying her from Kahuna. Okay, because really the get is is biblically not a, not an issue. This implies that she really didn't need a get. If she didn't need a get, she should be forbidden to kahuna. So you see from here that the get that we're given is not that we're giving is not really a full obligation. Answer the Gemara, Ella, rather safer Damri You're right. The reason why we give a get in the end is only because people might come to say that the whole kedushin, the whole acquisition was a Kedushe Tais. Kedushe Tais means the whole thing's null and void. The whole thing was a, a mistake, and may, maybe they are, uh, originally got married with specific conditions, and those conditions weren't followed through. Um, and, um, and therefore, the Arison, the Kedushin, the acquisition, was not valid, and that's why she has no good. Now, that wouldn't be true, but people may come to think that. 
Says the Gemara, if you're concerned about people thinking that just certain conditions weren't met, say the same thing in the beginning of the Mishnah. And the Gemara Why again, the same logic. Because she remarried based upon the testimony of one person. So you should have done your research. Says the Gemara, What about the end of the Mishnah? She should have done her research and we should obligate her in, in a get. Says the Gemara, no. See, here we go. Here's the bottom line. We'll end with this for today. Reisha di Avda Isura in the Reisha, where there was an actual transgression that took place, Kansua, we're going to Kanasur. However, Seifa, Delay Avda Isura, where there was no Isur done. Why? Because in the Reisha, there was full Nisuan. They actually had relations together. But in the Seifa, where there were no relations, as we just established, there was only Erisa, there was only an acquisition. Like in Suwa Rabbanan, the Rabbanan did not knas her, they did not fine her, and therefore, um, uh, and therefore, there's no need, since there's no potential adultery that took place, there's no need to obligate the get. We only obligate the get when a prohibition happened, and not when a prohibition did not happen. Okay, we'll hold it here for today. Have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos, a wonderful, wonderful Yom Tov, everybody, um, on Zoom on Zoom and uh, on the recording, we'll pick up again with Monday's daf. We'll do Monday's daf on Matzah Yamtiv. Shabbos and Sunday, we're only going to be doing in person in shul. So um, uh, tomorrow's daf is daf peites. Daf peites and tzadi will be Shabbos and Sunday. And then Monday night, tzadi aleph, we'll do together back on, on Zoom and uh, in person, Zoom recording, but the next two days will just be in person. All right, Zaygezunt, everybody. What time? So we'll do the, we'll do daf, but there's a break between Mincha and Mariv, um, okay. going into Yomtiv. So we're going to do daf then. Okay. Okay. All right. Hope to be there. Yeah. Okay. Bye bye. Yeah. Good job, Yomtiv. Take care, everybody. Zaygezunt. Yeah. Yep. On both days, you can do between the Klimarov. Let's aim for that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. Zagabenched.